What is up, Braves country, and welcome to our Sports Talk ATL official Braves podcast. Me and Jake have been waiting to do this for a while. I am your co-host, uh, Chase Earl. I'm here with Jake Gordon, who's been here with Sports Talk ATL from the beginning. We're super excited for this. Uh, the name we're questioning, but everything else, we got a lot of good stuff for you, and we're going to have some guests in the future. So we're really excited to get this started. Um, how are you doing tonight, Jake? I am great. I'm definitely like we've just been putting this off for so long, but the Braves, like, I mean, I guess th- that was the deal. Once they got above 500, we do the podcast. Yeah, so, I think I, I think that was the whole thing. We were basically waiting for any ounce of positive energy to like get us up to do this, and we finally got it. I think we're both excited. I think we're both, you know, thinking that the Braves are going to string together some more wins, uh, hopefully eclipse the Phillies and get back into the playoffs. But it's at least worth talking about. Um, for a while there, it was especially after the Acuna injury. It was like, do I really want to start a podcast right now? But uh, after the trade deadline, getting you know four out of five wins, getting over five hundred. Uh, it feels good to be back talking about the Braves on a podcast. Yeah, you know, the the whole Ronald situation, like that was when things really were like, oh, we actually might be done in for. But they made, you know, the Braves, they made some solid moves. Uh, I really like all the guys they picked up. We haven't even seen Eddie Rosario yet, but uh, we'll get into all that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, they made a, a lot of really solid moves and they didn't really have to give up much. I mean, we all like Bryce Wilson. And like you said, we're going to talk about all these deals individually, but I mean, other than that, you know, not a single top prospect. I mean, Bryce Wilson wasn't even a considered a prospect anymore. But at 23, he, he's definitely, you know, would have been a top 10 prospect if he didn't graduate already. So that was a little bit of a tough loss. We like Bryce Wilson. We're always going to remember that game four of the NLCS where he outdueled Clayton Kershaw and looked like, you know, he really, I really thought at the beginning of the year he was going to be a big piece of this rotation. I thought he was going to build off that. But for some reason, and I don't know why, he never really got that opportunity. I mean, they still kind of just yo-yoed him. And I just think he has a lot of talent, so I'm glad he's going to a place like Pittsburgh where he can pitch a little bit more, um, really get his feet wet. I think that's the problem with Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. They just have no consistency. They're constantly getting yanked around. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to see how he does in Pittsburgh. Yeah, those first two starts I saw yesterday, they lost, of course, but he pitched like six innings and gave up three runs, and those were the only runs of the game. And I think he got a loss. Well, I guess he got a loss for that because they did lose. But, I mean, yeah, he was bad. Like, he's not a bad pitcher. Like, he's just had some some tough moments, and the spotlight's pretty bright in Atlanta. And, you know, I think I think if he goes over there, he can be like a pretty steady guy just for a couple years. Yeah, but looking at the Braves, it kind of feels like with these new additions, everything's coming together. The rotation, Max Freed's back. I think he has a 2.0-something ERA over the last couple weeks. Uh, you got Charlie Morton, who's pitching like a Cy Young candidate. If he'd been doing this all season, he probably would be a Cy Young candidate. Uh, if there's a playoff series tomorrow, Charlie Morton's who I'm giving the ball probably to. I mean, he's just been that consistent for a while. Uh, Ian Anderson on his way back. Huasker, you know, on his way back. Uh, Drew Smiley's put it all together. Kyle Mueller's been a pleasant surprise. Same with Tuki Toussaint. So the rotation's been solid for a while now. But now the bullpen over the last month has actually been really good. They were the um, top-ranked bullpen for the month of July 6th or July 7th through 6th or or August 6th. So uh, for the last month, they've been one of the best bullpens, and they should be getting some pieces back. And now you see the Braves getting over to 500. The Mets have just collapsed, which I think is hilarious. It's just such a Mets way uh, of kind of losing the division. And the Phillies, they've won eight in a row, so now they're at top of the division. So how do you kind of see this shaking out moving forward? The Phillies are hot, but they played the Nationals and the Mets. Those aren't exactly world beaters. Yeah, and, you know, the the problem is with the Phillies is it doesn't get much more difficult after this. I think in terms of uh, schedule difficulty after the All-Star break, I think they were second in terms of easiest, so – yeah, it's exactly going to be going through a gauntlet, and that's going to cause the Braves a lot of trouble when you consider there's going to be two wild card teams coming out of the NL West, and that's both spots. So you got to win the division to make the playoffs. Yeah, we're kind of creeping up there on those West teams. I mean, if they start beating each other up, you never know. I think there's six games back of the wild card. That's a lot, but I mean, you saw how quickly six games can go. I mean, the Mets are now two games out of first, and they were just five games up on everybody. So. Uh, you know, if those teams out West, I mean, I'm sure the Do- I don't I haven't looked at it, but the Dodgers, Giants and Padres have to play each other like 20 times probably over the last two months of the season. That's usually how the schedule shakes out. So one of those teams, I mean, the, the Giants are 30 games over 500, so n- probably not them. But uh, if, if the Dodgers or the Padres kind of struggle against those two teams, which is very possible, uh, you never know. I mean, I still obviously the division 
I, I think the Phillies are very gettable. They do have an easy schedule, but I, I just think they're, they've really taken advantage of games against the Mets and Nationals. They're probably playing two, two of the worst teams right now in baseball, uh, especially after the Nationals offloaded all their, their whole team. So I think they've taken advantage of that. Good for them, but I like to see it. They still play, I think, the Dodgers coming up, so we'll see how they respond to that. And I think the Braves, they have an upcoming schedule, very gettable. Orioles, Marlins, Nationals, and Reds. I, I think you could see the Braves in first place uh, by this time, you know, in two weeks. Yeah, somebody tweeted this, and I sorry, I forgot who you were, but somebody said like, uh, I think the Phillies play one team with a winning record in all of September or something crazy. And, and it's probably do I, it's probably the Dodgers. It's probably the Dodgers. I will yeah. no, they play the Dodgers. I think coming up, I actually think that's who they play next. Well, it's funny because we we always tweet out the oh the Mets have this thirteen game stretch with the Dodgers and the Giants and they, they didn't even make it that far. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. I mean, just think. That's why when Pete Alonso said that the other day, and Pete Alonso seems like a really nice guy. He really does. He's kind of quirky, um, but he seems like a really nice guy. And, and if I had him on my team, I'd love him. He almost kind of has like a Freddie feel to him, the way he talks. He's just like a nice guy, you know, cares about his business and, you know, doesn't really cause a lot of problems. But there's no way he can sit there and say, like knowing that they've just lost the way they have against not very good teams and now they have a stretch upcoming in about a week where they have to play 13 games versus the Giants and the Dodgers, who have the two best records in the league. Uh, there's no way you can sit there and smile and just think, oh, we got this, especially with the way the Braves and Phillies, they made additions. You know, their teams are feeding off those additions. And I think, you know, the Phillies are definitely the team to beat. I almost count the Mets out of it already. I know that's kind of crazy, but I just feel like with that stretch upcoming, I don't think they can survive that. I just think it's. I just love that Steve Cohen, their owner, is on Twitter. Like he, that was just such a such a terrible mistake. Why would you ever do that? Oh, I think it's so funny how he's just like, yeah, the guys, the guys, they're in the they're in the clubhouse. They, I could tell they're ready to win this game. It just like absolutely gets slaughtered. Uh, but he's he's been a hoot on Twitter. I mean, he's been hilarious. Some of the stuff he said. I love how he gets on there and he's like, all right, so who should I trade for? It's just like, you got like, and because the Mets fans, the one thing I'll give them credit for, that's a passionate fan base. You know, they've been through it. They got some diehard fans and it's getting like 3,000 responses. I mean, imagine if Alex Anthopoulos was just sitting on Twitter and he was like, all right, you know, who who, who are we targeting at the trade deadline? I mean, Braves Twitter would go nuts. Yeah, exactly. But I I love how as the Mets season has declined, like his his Twitter has as well because it started off he's like so so like what do you guys think about like giving Lindor an extension and now it's just like all right buddy like you guys really don't know what you're talking about like the, the thing with the Kumar Rocker he was like oh, education time guys like, there's some kind of return on he just sounded like he's a prick and I'm like the Mets are just you can feel the collapse coming when the owners on Twitter uh, starting beef with the uh, the 13 year olds. I also think it's funny, like sometimes he'll get a tweet back and it's it's all usually in just good jest, but he'll just be like, I'm not in a joking mood right now. <laughs> like I'm I am it's like I am not having fun. And I trust me, that's basically when the Mets get eliminated, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find that one and retweet. That's basically been the bra- how we felt about the Braves all season. It's just like, you know, after one of those losses, like if some smart ass, you know, tweets at me, I'm just like, damn it, just leave me alone. Like I don't need to deal with this crap right now. What I, like just just stop just stop but I, I think it's hilarious and I just imagine like what especially with how crazy Braves Twitter is what life would be like if Alex Anthopoulos was just out there tweeting even if it was just like dumb tweets like basically roster updates or you know things that don't even have to do with baseball like at, he would have 5,000 replies for just like angry Braves fans just tweeting crazy nonsense and most of the things most of it wouldn't even matter like it would be like most of it wouldn't even be true because these people are crazy. Like they're so overreactive. Like Will Smith blows one game. He's the worst closer of all time. Don't, doesn't matter what he's done for the last two months. Just completely disregard that. He has like a one whip all season, which is very good. His FIPS, like I think around three, like, okay, maybe he's not worth 40 mil. He wasn't good last year, but you had the COVID thing. But people are so reactionary that it's just like, I, I don't know how Steve Cohen does it because like I would be, go, I would be going nuts with all those replies. Yeah, and I don't think it's like Braves fans in general. I think it may just be like a baseball fan thing. But I think since there is like 162 games, people get so freaked out over one game. And like if we lose, like if we like the game we lost against the the Nationals, like the Will Smith game, I was like, whatever, like this sucks. Yeah, I mean, shit, that sucks. It's still one game at the end of the day, and I was like, you know, you know, I was like, wow, really, we really should have won that one. But it's not like it's not like a sixteen game season, like a seventeen game season in the NFL, where it's like, okay, well now we might miss the playoffs. Like, uh, it, it'll be okay. Like the Alec Bohm thing, I get everybody freaking out about that, especially because it's the beginning of the year. But 
people just get so tore up when we lose a, a Wednesday afternoon game against uh, <laughs> against the, think, uh, the Reds or something. I like know where they're coming from because, and I think because we've done this site for so long and made like, and we've all, we're always kind of given like our predictions. That's basically what our site's about, you know, giving our opinions, not necessarily just writing a bunch of crap that people want to hear. Um, I think we've learned over the years not to be so reactionary because when you do that, you end up looking like a dumbass three months down the road. So I think I understand where a lot of baseball fans are coming, but like when you get a platform and you start typing thing and then people are going to always like let you know when you're wrong, you kind of have to stop being that reactionary. And I feel like that's where we've learned it, but I understand where the baseball fans are coming from that don't have that and don't really care. Like most people aren't even listening to them. They're just replying to like people that will listen and I get it. I get it. But at the same time, baseball is such a long season. There's so much volatility with so many of these players. It's like one one second Dansby Swanson looks like he should be going to AAA. The next second he's the best shortstop in the majors for the last two months. You got to just let these things play out and then kind of just take an overview at the end of the season and see where you're at. But uh, I, I get where the Braves fans are coming from. But, uh, you know, sometimes take a little chill pill. The Braves bullpen's actually been really good. You know, the moves that Alex Anthopoulos has made, really good. And, um, uh, you know, I'm excited about where this team's heading. I do think we're going to win the division. I'm very confident in that. But uh, we got to get it done over the next – I think we got 50 games left exactly. Yeah, shout out to that guy, by the way. He uh, he quote tweeted the article. I think you wrote about how the Braves bullpen had been better or about how Will Smith wasn't that bad or wh- whichever one it was. And he was like, uh, yeah, there's like this Fangraphs article that says like how bad bullpens in general have been this year. And it probably has a lot to do with – you know, cracking down on foreign substances and whatever. But uh, yeah, the Braves have been the best over like the past month. And, and like everybody's has a terrible bullpen this year, which makes me f- feel a little bit better in a weird way, I guess. But I mean, well, let's let's talk about that bullpen because it's been that good. And I think it's only going to get better. Do I think with the current group, their success over the last month is sustainable? No. But with getting Richard Rodriguez, you know, Will Smith's been pitching better. Uh, I talked today about AJ Minner possibly come back, giving it a boost. I think, you know, probably going to go to the bullpen. That's another big arm you'll have back there. They might throw Toussaint or Mueller back there when Anderson's back. Um, you know, I, I just think uh, who else has been really good? Matt's has been great for about two months going on. Um, and then you have some unsung heroes like Jesse Chavez, Luke Jackson, Edgar Santana, who have all been really good. And, and those that's probably not sustainable. But when you put all those guys together and, you know, you're asking Jesse Chavez to pitch in five run games and Edgar Santana to pitch in five run games and Mentor to pitch in three run games. And then you have your big guns like Matzik and Will Smith and Richard Rodriguez for the close ones. You know, that's a pretty solid unit. I mean, especially if you know and Toussaint can contribute back there. So I'm actually pretty confident in this group moving forward down the stretch. Um, what do you think about it? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a punishment, but I do think Enoa is going to have to go to the bullpen. Like, I don't think it's going to be like, a, oh, you shouldn't have punched the dugout and broke your hand, but I think he's just like a logical choice to slide over. I've said from the beginning, you just put your 13 get best guys out there. I don't care if they're starters, closers, relievers. I, I don't care if one of them is the 50-50 raffle guy. Get your 13 best arms out there. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to hear, oh, this guy's our high leverage guy. Like, no, just to, it's it's not as easy as people make it seem sometimes. And I'm I'm prone to getting being hard on Brian Snicker. But when you pitch A.J. Minter in high leverage situations, like four games in a row and you lose three of those four games, like, yeah, people are going to be annoyed about it. I think it really just boils down to getting your best guys and situational awareness. Like if they do bring AJ Minter back up, you cannot pitch him in the eighth inning when we're up by one. Like that's no, not, not, not at least for a few weeks, not until he's shown, you know, that he can handle a two run game, you know, when he, and he handled a three run game. I mean, it's gotta be, he's gotta be pitching garbage time. He's got to work his way up over the next two months. It's gotta be pitch. I don't mind him being an, a setup man again at some, maybe at the end of the year, but he's got to pitch in garbage time and prove that he can handle it. He's got to pitch with a three-run lead, a two-run lead, and then maybe you give him a one-run lead in like the seventh inning, and then maybe you move on from there. But he's got to build up that confidence. We've talked about a minor a million times. He's a nutcase. I mean, he just is really just one of those pitchers that has all the stuff in the world, but if he puts one runner on base, you never know what's going to happen next. He could just completely implode, even if he struck out the first two guys. That's just how he's always been. But we've seen him respond, you know, to – a you know, a time in AAA and, you know, taking some time off and he's responded well. So yes, he's fallen off and blown up and had to get optioned, but he's also come back and, you know, tossed a 0.8 ERA last year in 2020 over 20 innings. You know, he threw three innings in the, as a starter 
and the NLCS, which is just ridiculous, yeah. and struck out seven guys. So, like, obviously he has a ridiculous amount of talent, but you definitely have to ease them in. And that's something that uh, Snicker has, hasn't done. But at the same time, he, has, he didn't really have a choice early in the year. Everyone was sucking out of that bullpen. Now it seems like he has a little bit of a choice, especially with Matzik and Smith and now Richard Rodriguez. You at least have three guys you trust pretty confidently. I know people want to give Will Smith a lot of shit, but those are three guys I trust you know, to even finish the game if they have to. Yeah, and Chris Martin um, said this time and time again. We, we haven't really talked about him. But, I, you know, the guy was playing in Korea four or five years ago. I mean, the spin rate thing was probably going to be an issue for him, and his spin rate has, you know, slowed down a lot. But I think he's adjusted, you know, okay. Uh, he's had some bad outings, but, I, I, you know, he hasn't been completely worthless. You know, he's still, he's still a piece. I don't know if he's going to be a leverage piece. I wouldn't personally – put him in leverage situations. If I want a right-hander, I'm just going to go with Luke Jackson or even maybe Jesse Chavez, honestly. But, uh, you know, Martin's still, you know, he's still viable. I'm not, he's not the guy he was last year, maybe even two years ago, but I definitely think he's still viable. It just kind of sucks to get in that contract last season, uh, last off season. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, Richard Rodriguez is another guy that suffered after the spider attack thing. And that was before the Braves. I think he had a 4.5 ERA since yeah. like the ban before the Braves traded for him. But he's been really good since, and his stuff looks great. Um, I, I do think you make a good point. At like, I think you have to adjust. I mean, a lot of these guys have been using this spider tack, this sticky stuff, whatever they've been using for years now, you know. And now, like, even if may, I think the the difference in their performance is a little over exaggerated right now because they've been doing it for so long. I think the, a lot of these guys will kind of adjust, figure out how to pitch. At least the good guys will figure out how to pitch pitch without it, and you know, find success. But I think with Martin, uh, I think he's gotten better since the band. Um, but it is one of those things where I do think it's going to take some, you know, time to adjust before they really are going to get back to being, you know, I mean, Chris Martin was never elite, but he was a very good reliever. Yeah, he just absolutely got hurt at the worst times. But you know, and gave up a homer to Cody Bellinger to in Game Seven of the World. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one guy I got to give a shout out to is, uh, is Luke Jackson. I mean, I don't think he was ever going to sustain that like 1.6 ERA he started out with, but Luke Jackson, like we just, it's, it's so funny. You just never hear any complaints about Luke Jackson anymore. I mean, you shouldn't, I mean, the guy, he's still, he has a 2.14 ERA. Everybody's still I mean, Oh, well, I don't trust him. It's like, okay, well, it doesn't matter if you don't trust him because if he's going out there and getting it done, I don't care you know, really what you think about him, but yeah, I've always been a Luke Jackson fan. I mean, I, I remember, I don't know how many articles I had to write in 2019 when the Braves bullpen was just atrocious until they got Melanson and all those guys. But, you know, that first half of the year, that guy was like going out there and getting five outs and like no one else could get an out in the Braves bullpen and the people would still find a way to blame him. I'm like, dude, he can't do it every night. Like he can't go out there and be Superman. This is a guy who's was supposed to go into that season as like a fifth or sixth inning guy. And he was like the closer for the first 100 games. We traded people Dario were complaining. Alvarez. We traded Dar Dario Alvarez and Lucas Harrell for him. Like, do you even remember? Like, you remember those two guys? No, 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 no. I don't remember them. At all. That, I, that's what I'm saying. So, like, the fact that he was getting like shit on that season was pissing me off so much. I'm like, this guy is, was not even like supposed to make the roster. And now he's closing games and he's doing a half decent job at it. And you guys are complaining about him, like complain about the ownership, complain about the GM who put us in this situation. That year was a frustrating one, but Luke Jackson saved our butt. And now he's pitching even better this year, I think, because he hasn't been asked to do as much crazy stuff. But after a terrible 2020 where he wasn't even on the playoff roster, it's been a it's been a pleasant surprise. And I think that's a guy you have to give more high leverage situations to moving forward. Yeah, I think people, they're still just ready to jump on him at any That's how they were with Will Smith. Will Smith was locked down for a month. As soon as Luke Jackson comes in and, and gives up like a three-run home run to lose a game, everybody's be like, I told you Luke Jackson was worthless. It's like, oh, well, is he already oh, like 2.28 now instead of 2.14? <laughs> I know. No, it's ridiculous. Like, it, But that, like we said, reactionary people, like that's this yeah. is what they do, especially on Twitter where it's just – they can't help themselves. They cannot help themselves but complain or bark at someone or pull up some article that you had from four months ago where you're like, yeah, Luke Jackson's actually good. And then it's like, oh, six months later, he gave up a home run. No, you're wrong, asshole. And I'm like, come on, man. My favorite, my favorite too, is like uh, everybody, like I'll be like, 
all right, guys, like I really, I really hope to keep pitches well tonight. And then somebody will be like, old takes exposed. I'm like, that's, that's not a take. It's not an opinion. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not even an opinion. it's not even like, yeah, Tukey's going to go out there and throw nine innings of, of two hit ball. And it's like, no, I just hope he actually pitches well. I like him as a prospect and really think he could help the Braves. Old takes Old exposed. exposed. He, pitches, like, crap. Like, he, gives up, he gives up three runs and three innings. Like, dude, well, this is, a, this is a good transition into our first Just Stop tweeting. If you ever followed the Sports Talk ATL podcast, this was like our first segment. So this will be our only segment, but I'm sure we'll have a bunch of them like leading up besides answering fan questions. We'll come up with some as the podcast gets older. But Just Stop tweeting is basically when we find a guy who – Basically says some ridiculous stuff that should never be tweeted. Uh, we had a we had a few good candidates, but this one takes the case from Scott Karasik. Uh, I think he is a let's see what he does. He is a Falcons wire. Falcons way, wire. Is, all in good fun. We're not like yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. This is like, Scott Scott Karasik. If you, if you're listening to this, I'll give you a shirt. I, I'll give you a shirt. But it's just hilarious because I don't know where this was coming from. I don't know how you logically thought like this. So I have to put you as our just stop tweeting, especially how the tweet age. That's really it. He said the Braves have to win every, this was on August 3rd. The Braves have to win every series till the end of the season to have a shot at catching the Mets. Like that was a real tweet on August 3rd. As we're recording it, it is August 9th. The Braves are now in front of the Mets. So it's almost more about how this tweet aged. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous that he said that because one, really because how the Mets were playing, they've been playing like crap ever since for, Three months now. The just the Braves haven't been able to play any better. Um, so I was like, if they just go on a losing streak, the Braves can string some wins together. They'll catch up to them. What do they do? They win five of six or whatever, and now they're ahead of them in the standing. So Scott Karasik, no offense to you, but that was definitely a freezing cold take if I've ever seen one. Hey, dude, you should be honored, man. You you get the first one in the first episode. Like I said, we're we're just palling around. You could probably we could probably you know we need to ju- we need to do uh, we need to do this segment. This is on the fly. We need to do this segment with one of our tweets. We need to dig up one bad take from ourselves. Uh, oh, I could I could find a million. I actually let one loose today on the NFL that I'm sure you're like, and we can even discuss this, even though it's a praise podcast. Josh <laughs> Allen is overrated as hell. You, you, what's wrong with you? Like, what are you <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, like I'm not saying that Josh Allen can't be a good quarterback, but he how? Not a good quarterback. <laughs> okay, okay. Like I'm not saying that he can't continue this level of play. Like he had a great season last year. There's no doubt about that. People can say, oh, that's the first year he had Stefan Diggs. He never really had a receiver, blah, blah, blah. Like, is his third year in the league? I get all that. But how are you going to pay a man after one good season $280 million? Like, that is the definition of overrated. The the two seasons before that, he is below 60% completion. He has never thrown for more than 20 touchdowns. He has never thrown for more than 3,500 yards other than this past season, which he was amazing this season. I'm not taking that way. And maybe that is what we see from him for his whole career. And this contract turns out worth it. But he just got Patty Mahomes money. He just got Patty Mahomes money. And he had one good season. He's been, here's the thing, though, is is wait till – because Baker and Lamar are going to get more than that. But Baker may not get more if, than that. If Baker – well, all right. So, I I mean, now we're just getting into all my hot takes because I think Lamar Jackson is trash. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to understand, like, I am comparing my I, – I just get so much – hate as a Falcons fan for for Matt Ryan like I get so many ridiculous like people telling me Matt Ryan's not a top 20 quarterback Matt Ryan's not a top 15 quarterback whatever his whole career so I have to come up with my own crazy takes just so I can start going at other people and like you know what my crazy takes are Lamar Jackson can't win a playoff game because or can't win you know a Super Bowl because he can't pass the ball and Josh Allen is overrated and it's just because i actually like josh allen and i hope he's going to be good i like watching him play i'm just saying that was a ridiculous contract to me i feel like you should have at least seen him do it two years because what does it harm like like that is the max you could give him like like what what does it harm waiting to see if he does it again yeah i don't i don't think the salary cap is going to go up that much higher i don't disagree but if the bills win a super bowl they could have given him twice as much and it would still be worth it so oh yeah i mean that, that he backloaded that deal too savvy. I think for he like get two a three, yeah, I think for like two or three years, uh, it's backloaded. So, and then they have like an out. And they'll probably just restructure that and just keep spreading it out. That's just it's how super the NFL works. Friendly. I will say, I will say, but I mean, dude, he's six seven. He throws rockets and he can run. Like, what else? Oh yeah, do? and he's a funny guy. So I like him and I'm cheering for him. But I just, I, I'm just saying, like, uh, people are already like you see him on lists as like a top five QB, and I'm like, you're really gonna do that after one season? Like, just I, I, I. I know, like we're talking about this whole reactioning 
re reactionary thing, but that's just that, you know, that's what I'm saying. Now we can go back and look at this in six months and we can go laugh at Chase because he's going to win the MVP. So, you know, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm not afraid to put him out there. That's, that's my pen to paper NFL take for this year. I don't have many of those, uh, but I'm going, uh, I'm going Josh Allen MVP. MVP. All right. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. Well, let's get back to Braves here. Uh, we have an upcoming winnable schedule. Unfortunately, we're having a little – we don't know when this podcast is going to be posted. Hopefully it's posted very soon after we record this, which is August 9th. But at this time, we've got the Reds upcoming tomorrow. Then we have – in some order, I think it's Nationals first, but it's Orioles, Marlins, Nats after that. The Reds have been playing good ball. I think they're up to 10 games over 500. Good team. But other than that, I mean, Orioles, Marlins, Nats, especially after the trade deadline when most of them, you know, gutted their whatever good pieces they had. I mean, those are games where at this time of the year you have to win, you know, what do you say, seven out of nine at least? Yeah, it, it goes Reds, uh, Nats, Marlins, Orioles, which I thought was weird because it's at Nats and at Orioles, and I thought it would just be easier to go from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore, but whatever, I don't make a schedule. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I I talked about that series of twelve games, and I said like nine and three is probably like best case scenario considering they're all on the road. Like that's pretty that's pretty good. I think if you go below like seven and five, or I mean at seven and five, whatever, you know the Reds are a good team, but below seven and five, it's like okay, we we wasted a really go a really golden opportunity before we get into the home stretch because like we said, the Phillies their schedule's not yeah, yeah. get much more difficult. So these are the games you have to win. Yeah, I actually think I was looking at the Philly schedule the other day because I, I remember it being really weak, but then I think they have the Dodgers, some crappy team, maybe the Nationals again, or, or Diamondbacks or something like that, and then they play San Diego. So at the same time, we have this really easy stretch. They have to play San Diego and Los Angeles with a crappy team in between, and that's that's a, that's a stretch where you know we definitely have the, the edge schedule-wise, and that's not going to happen for the rest of the year much of the time, so... You definitely want to pick up, at least pick up these two games over this stretch, I would say. Hopefully you're at least tied for first, and then you got six weeks left to basically just play one game better than the Phillies, which I think the Braves should do. I, I think they're, they're a, a much better lineup. I think their rotation's much better outside of Zach Wheeler. And Aaron Knowles, he struggled a little bit, but he's obviously a stud. And bullpen, I, I think they're pretty much a wash. So I do think the Braves are the best team in the division, which is why they think they'll win it. But the schedule is definitely not in their favor, except for these couple weeks coming up. Yeah, and I even think these Braves, like these Braves, no Mike Soroka, no Ronald Acuna, uh, I still think they're better than the Phillies. And it sounds so stupid. It's such a trope, but they just have to play like it. And, you know, they have been playing like that recently. That game against the Nats, you know, hey, those you're going to have those sometimes. Sometimes a guy's going to connect on one. That guy's like a career 167 hitter or whatever, and he smashed a walk-off home run. It happened to us earlier against the Phillies. What was his name? Luke Williams? I, yeah, I, yeah. First homer. Luke yeah, Williams. first home run. Yeah, you, th that's just going to happen sometimes. We've done that to people. We had Rafael Ortega hit a, hit a grand slam off of Dustin May against the Dodgers a couple years ago. Like, it, it just happens. Yeah, great um, moment. But I saw the Braves play pretty much a complete ball game until the very end. And, you know, uh, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and nitpick Brian Sticker for not using Richard Rodriguez versus Will Smith, whatever. They still played pretty good ball, and they were playing complete games. Yesterday got a little ugly towards the end with the Adam Duvall mishap, but they still won. And if you could see them put – we've talked about this all year. The Braves have had trouble just putting together all phases of a complete game. The starting rotation shows up. They don't score any runs. Uh, the, the offense shows up and scores six. They give up eight. Uh, you know, it's, it just never felt like everything was in sync at the same time, and I feel like we're kind of starting to see that now, and that's why they're over 500. That's why they're winning. Yeah, I mean, you look at the run differential; they're like they're almost plus seventy, and nobody else has a positive run differential. So, by the Pythagorean theorem or whatever that thing they go by, like I think they should be like ten games over five hundred, and everyone else should be under five hundred. But uh, that's not how baseball works, unfortunately. You know, well, apparently you don't have to touch home either. So I know I, we yeah. would have first if that was the case, but uh. yeah, that's true. But uh, we digress. So that's not how baseball works. So I. I I'm excited. I think they're going to do this. Let's get in these trade deadline acquisitions because these are the guys that are really helping us. I think the big thing is the rotation's been great all season, and I think that's what's going to carry these Braves. But these additions, you know, these guys have to step up and play like very good players because who because of who they're replacing, which is Ronald Acuna and Marcelo Zuna, guys we expected to be all. I mean, obviously Acuna was an All Star, but you know Marcelo Zuna, we expected him to be an All Star. Huge pieces of this team, and you're replacing him with Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall. 
uh, and Jorge Soler. I mean, that's basically you're hoping those four guys can somehow replace that production. And so far, they've done it. I mean, Peterson, since getting traded for Bryce Ball, has been fantastic. Uh, Adam Duvall already has a couple homers. And you you almost feel like, why the hell was he not on the Braves all year? Because he's only making $3 million this year and has a player option for five mil next, $2 million this year. $2 million this year. That's how much he's making. And he has a $3 million buyout next year, $5 million uh, option that they team option, which I think the Braves will probably pick up. So it's kind of crazy. He's not, wasn't on the team all year, but you know, that's, that's one of the many decisions I've questioned on Alex Anthopoulos. Jorge Soler, you get for Casey college. He's only, he was hitting 196 coming over here, but he sure doesn't look like a guy who's hitting 196 so yeah. far. And uh, obviously Richard, Richard Rodriguez has been very good out of the bullpen so far in about five appearances. So, so far these guys are living up. Uh, we haven't seen Eddie Rosario. I think he's, Supposed to start rehabbing this week and then maybe join the team in two weeks, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but these guys got to keep that up or this team doesn't have much of a chance in the playoffs. I think they could still get there if these guys aren't all sorts. But if, he, if they're going to make some noise, I mean, we need October. We need Jorge Soler to just drop tanks all over the place. And we need Richard Rodriguez to pitch like a lights out closer. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about, you know, Alex Anthopoulos. He made a mistake letting Adam Duvall go. We can all agree on that. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, I will say uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat my own chest here for a second. Uh, I was one hundred percent in on Jock Peterson to the Braves. I wanted him so badly. I was like, he's the perfect bench bat against righties. All this yada yada yada. It sucks. You have to give up Bryce Ball for him, but hey, you know we are where we are. Uh, Alex Jackson actually playing pretty well for the Marlins. Good for him. You know, as as long as he doesn't hit a home run against us, which he probably won't. Um, <laughs> you know, Alex Jackson, good for him, man. I, I never like personally disliked him. Yeah, he has, he has, he had no place with Shea Langlers and William Contreras coming up. There's no way he was going to ever really carve out much of a role for himself. Well, Langlers could be in Gwinnett right now. Uh, he could probably be yeah. in Gwinnett right now. Let's be honest. I mean, um, he's definitely, you cannot tell me Shea Langlers is not better than Kevon Smith. You cannot <laughs> tell me. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. There's no you know, way. We, we get on Alex Anthopoulos, but he, you know, like I said, I gave him, I gave him a B at the deadline. I said, if you got one more bullpen arm, I give you a B plus, and uh, you have to get a bona fide superstar and not get ripped off to get anything above a B plus. That's just my personal grading system. If you don't like it, come up with your own. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the whole uh, one more bullpen arm. I don't know if that was totally right. You know, I might be able to switch to a B plus off that uh, because the Braves haven't really needed it, which is not something I think a lot of people saw coming. Uh, obviously myself included and you know if the price wasn't right I, I don't blame him but you look up you gave up Bryce Ball which sucks Bryce actually came on the OG podcast he's cool as shit I hope he has a I hope he has a, a long career in Chicago he has a real chance to replace Rizzo and I hope he gets that shot but you gave up Pablo Sandoval who you could have cut and you get Eddie Rosario for him and I think that's just thanks. That, that, that's like, like thanks uh, appreciate and they sent us money like what, what, what I don't even here? understand I don't understand that at all <laughs> I mean Rosario is not having a good year this year but other than that he was like an 800 OPS plus guy for three years in a row and was like top 20 in the MVP race twice like yeah like, I, I thought I was missing something because it said they sent <laughs> money now I did the, like I was doing the write-up and I was like and we sent them money and it's basically like, no we, we didn't send them money they sent us money I'm like oh, but so, what, what did they get out of this but anyway. And they just, yeah, then they just let Pablo Sandoval go. I mean, not that they would keep him, but I, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. And, you know, okay, you give up Alex Jackson, who everybody kind of, you know, didn't really see a place for anyways. Uh, and, you know, he's going to get to play every day in Miami. Uh, Bryce Wilson, going to get to play every day in Pittsburgh. Ricky DeVito, actually a solid prospect. You know, Casey Kalick, I actually really like his long-term projected. He was, he was on, uh, do you remember? He was on the OG podcast too, Casey, Casey Kalick. Yes, he did. He, he we got him on there right after he like broke his arm skateboarding. Do you remember that? Was, that? Yeah. Okay. So for some reason, I thought that was Kyle Muller. We had Kyle Muller on too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, that was Casey Kalick. Yes. No. Yes, I remember him being on there. Uh, I feel like it was probably like his first interview because he had just gotten out of like Texas A&M and yeah, and he, he said so. Like he like broke his hand. Like yeah, skateboarding. skateboarding. And he, yeah. He's like, I can't reload my shotgun. <laughs> I was like, damn, we got. I was like, damn, we got some breaking news on the pod. Casey yeah. K like just broke his <laughs> broke his arm. Yeah, because now I remember the article. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Well, anyways, I always kind of like Casey though. He was kind of solid. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was another Texas A and M reliever. I mean, him and Ricky Devito both projected as relievers. So, I mean, but when you get when you're talking about winning now, which I think the Braves had to give themselves a chance. I think we all would have been pissed if they didn't. Look, I mean, now we're two games out. We definitely should have been pissed if we had just waved the white flag and sold. 
which is what a lot of Braves fan wanted to do, which I, those people are crazy. Those people should all be on just stop tweeting. He has a five games and five games like lead with the Mets who were just playing awful baseball uh, should not just be like a situation where you just give up. I mean, especially when you have a rotation that has like a sub three RA for two months, like you can win games if you just put a half decent lineup on the field. And that's what these additions were. Nothing flashy, but I just feel so much more confident now than I did before the trade deadline. We fall behind and I don't feel like we just lost the game. It was like, if we were down 2-0, I was like, shit, we lost. We can't score. But now it's like you have so many guys. Like Adam Duvall can change the game with one swing of the bat. Sorlaire, Jock Peterson, all these guys. They can change a ball game with one swing. And that's yeah. that's really the difference. It, it, it also instills so much confidence in the team. Like you always feel like you have a chance. There's no way, even though they never would have told you this, there's no way those guys felt down 4-0 against a decent ball club that they could come back and win with that lineup they had on the field. They may te- they, they're not going to say that, but I guarantee you there's a feeling in the back of their head where they're just like, shit, here we go again. Like we, we just can't score like that. But now with these guys, they feel like they can win every game, even if they're down 5-1, even if they're down 4-2. You know, there's a feeling in that clubhouse, and it changes everything. And you can tell by the way they played over these last you know weeks since the deadline. Yeah, and uh, I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty safe to say that there is a bit of a uh... – like a funk hanging around whenever the whole thing happened with Marcelo Zuno. We were talking about it. The game, the night that that happened, I think I think they were playing the Yankees. Uh, but I was at the game, and, like, Ronald was literally going up to bat, and he just had the bat on his shoulder. And Ian Anderson got shelled for, like, seven runs. Just nobody cared less. And I think a lot of that kind of put them in a little bit of a funk, like that whole situation. That lasted a few weeks, and they started to get out of it, started to get out of it. But, you know, we talk about them coming together as a team and playing, like, as a unit and all cylinders clicking. I think they're finally kind of starting to get past that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely feels that way, and I definitely think that has everything to do with just these additions because it gives you a feeling that you can win every game. Um, I love – I mean, Jorge Soler, we're going to get into our first fan question, which is really from me. Um, but Jorge Soler, I think – what is it? He already has two or is it th- two or three bombs already, and they've been some they've been some nice hits. They weren't wall scrapers, yeah, no. No, like- no. So these guys can these guys can change the game, and I think he had like six homers in nine games before he was traded. So even though he's hitting sub 200, this guy in 2000, I think it was 19, hit like 48 bombs. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I don't think he's ever hit above 20 besides that year or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which I, I don't know what he was on, maybe a, a little bit of steroids. I'm not going to speculate. But, I mean, the guy went crazy. He also led the league with, like, 180 strikeouts. So, he's definitely a strikeout or walker bomb. He's hot, man. Like, he's just got to get hot. I think that – I like that Alex Anthopoulos did that. Like, I know a lot of people were – I don't remember who said this to me. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. But uh, I said something about trading for somebody, and he's like, we need more contact hitters. I'm like, no, we don't. (laughs) Like, we actually don't. Because contact really doesn't do shit if you don't have guys who can't hit for power. Like at all. So I would rather just go and get a bunch of guys who are liable to hit a bomb and then hope everything. Yeah, which, which is exactly what he did. I mean, Eddie Rosario is a, li- a little bit more of a contact guy. Not a not a big contact guy. I don't think he's ever hit really more than like 270. But Peterson, Duvall and Solera. I mean, those are three outcome guys. They're they're yeah. hitting tanks. They're striking out. They're walking for the most yeah. part. I mean, obviously, they'll hit a single here and there. But those are the, that's what those guys do. But here is our first fan question, and it's from me, yours truly, because I really want to know this. I really want to know what Jake thinks about this. So I was watching Jorge Soler get called out on a strike that was a strike, so he shouldn't have been beefing with the ump. But, you know, he didn't think it was a strike, and he turned around pretty fiercely and got in the ump's face. And I and I tweeted something out. I was like, I, he, Jorge Soler has been a brave for two days, and I already know I would not want to fight him. And I looked up like how big he is. He's six foot four, two thirty five, and he looks every bit of it. He probably doesn't have an ounce of fat on his body. He's probably like four percent body fat or something. Yeah, yeah. He's an absolute beast, which is why he hit forty eight bombs. And I just want to know, Jake, how many me and you's chases and Jakes would it take to defeat one angry Jorge Soler? All right, all right. We got we got to lay some ground rules here. How many drinks have each of us had so far? I mean, it has like you have to understand that it's probably a lot if we're fighting an angry host, Jorge Soler. Probably, yeah. Um, we are probably eight rumplements deep a piece, four whiskey waters, and we're yeah. We're, I mean, we, we can barely see straight, but okay. but we can have multiples of us. There can be nine of us all in that condition, but they're all in that condition. So I've given it some thought, and so I, I like I I don't know how many of you have actually met me. I've met a few of you. I'm about six one, six two, maybe. 
165 pounds. Uh, I'm what you would call uh, a bit of a string bean, and that's okay. But uh, I would say it would take a couple more of me. Chase is a bigger guy. Chase is a little bit bigger than me. Uh, yeah, I'm like 5'10", 180. So I would go, if it's one guy, I mean, you got to think at a certain point, the numbers are just going to like. No, just, the just numbers, gonna... this is what I think you have to do. Like, so if it's just us two, like he's going to knock one of us out and then the other one's screwed. So like we're, we're definitely above two. And let's say we have to do multiples. Like, so let's say there's four of us, two of you and two of me, like our two clones would have to be able to grab him. We'd have to be able to restrain him. If we, if we can grab him and restrain him and limit his knockout power, I think I we have a good chance. <laughs> I think we have a good, I think we have a good chance of beating him. I would say I, my, my initial thoughts, I said, a minimum, if we're talking minimum, I said three of you, two of me. See, I think we could do two. I think two of each of us gets it done. Two of each. I, that's fair. But I mean, I like, think two of each of us gets it. It could, it could be more. I could be wrong. Cause there is, I've always talked about guys. If you talk to any guy who's been in a lot of fights, uh, they'll say, especially, you know, ones where they're like on a one on three. And it's like, if you beat up the first guy bad enough, the other two guys kind of just <laughs> stay away, <laughs> you know? So like, there's gotta be more than three of us because like, I feel like if after, you know, our two clones watch our two heads get popped off, like they're probably running away. I've seen, so, a guy, I've seen a guy like kick three guys asses. And oh, without a doubt. I've seen Jorge Soler. So I'm going to go ahead. I, I would say three's too little. Yeah, no, yeah, three is too little. I, I think four. I think four at a minimum. That would be my Which minimum. It could be more efficiency. It should probably be three of you and one of me. It could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, if we can just get him to the ground or like restrain his power, we should be able to win. But that—that's all I'm saying. But the the problem is, is if he hits one of us with a knockout and we're automatically down to three, then we're in trouble. <laughs> then we are in immediate trouble, and and, and we might just run after that. So. There is, there is, there's no concrete answer. Thank, hopefully, we'll never have to know. But well, Jorge Soler seems like a cool guy. I'm not like this is this is more. Yeah, I would never want to fight Jorge Soler. I'm giving him credit here. I, I'm just I'm basically talking about a beast. But this hypothetical is something that I, that I really felt like we needed to evaluate on the first episode of Bloopers Brigade. <laughs> it was. It really had to be evaluated. <laughs> All right, people there's... needed to know and All i right. need to know like i need someone to tweet at us you know when they listen to this how many of them it would take to beat up one angry jorge soler that's that's that is the you the viewers that's your homework assignment how many of you would it take to beat one angry jorge soler so we do have a couple other fan questions which only a couple others i'm just gonna i'm not gonna lie and be like oh we're only answering two no you guys only asked three you guys bombard us with questions all day long. Yeah, you, we asked for one. We can't get us. We, we can't get more <laughs> than two. Really? I, I'm like, uh, I, yeah. I, I don't get it. I get, I get 15 questions a game, but then we ask for them, and it's crickets. But it, it's to each their own. You know, if you want to ever respond to the Twitter and get your uh, questions answered, we'll do this. We'll do this on every every podcast. Uh, but one of the questions was regarding Richard Rodriguez and Will Smith. Um, who's who's going to be the closer? Do you think he goes to Rodriguez? I think he's probably going to stick with Smith until, you know, Rodriguez real or until, unless he really starts to blow up. If he blows more saves, obviously this becomes more of an issue. And I think that's a possibility. I don't think Smith's spot is set in stone, but as I've said, he was really good before these, you know, before he blew up the other day, uh, he had been a sub one ERA in his last 19 appearances. So you're not going to just move him out of the closers role, especially for a guy like Richard Rodriguez who was struggling before he came here. And that guy's never pitched in presser situations. Like he's closed games, but closing game for the Pirates is a lot different than closing a game in a pennant race. Oh god! Uh, uh, shout out who they're from too. That was that Kyle Condra kid, right? Wasn't it? Uh, I think he asked no someone else. Sorry, I got I got like off of it. Oh, you're good. I got I got off of it. Uh, I don't know why, but I lost it, and I just remembered that one. I know the other one uh, was Kyle Condra. Shout out to him. He's always interacting with their stuff. We appreciate people that constantly interact with us. We like talking, answering your questions. Um, he asks, uh, any big moves in the future that you'd like to see the Braves made? Personally, I, I think we're probably going to be both on the same page with there. I don't really think the Braves need to make huge moves. Uh, so it really kind of depends what you mean by huge moves. I think the core of this team is set in stone. My biggest move would be extending Freddie Freeman. I'd love to extend Dansby Swanson. Uh, maybe start talking about an extension with Max Freeze. I would like to lock in the core of this team. Um, and then kind of piece around it. I think, uh, we'll see 
how they respond in the outfield with Marcelo Zuna. Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen to that after this year. I think he's going to get suspended. Yeah. But well, uh, when's this coming out? We don't know yet. <laughs> I, okay. I, I don't. I don't know. I'll keep that one to myself for now. You'll you'll All see right. on what's tomorrow. August, yeah, you'll see August tenth at about ten thirty a.m. So probably about the time that this before this even gets you know podcast we'll, we'll know. So uh, this will be out. But still, regardless, you know we'll, we'll see how that shakes out, and maybe they make a big move in the outfield. But you still have Pache and Waters and Michael Harris. So I, I really think the core pieces of this team. Are intact. Maybe when Charlie Morton, uh, if he doesn't want to get extended, maybe you go out there and sign like kind of a big name starting pitcher. I wouldn't mind seeing something like that to go along with a lot of these young guys. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think the lineup wise, if you extend Freddie and Dansby, uh, you know, and some guys like Drew Waters and Christian Pache, you know, one of those guys pans out, this thing's pretty, this group's pretty much locked in. I mean, I think we know Austin Riley staying at third. Ozzy's staying at second. Acuna's out there in right field. Uh, the, the rest of the outfield, that, that's a little bit of a question. I think they'll keep Jock Peterson. What do you think? Pat Peterson and Duvall next year? Yeah, they, that also, I see no reason not to keep either one of them. I mean, if they just end up as bench bats, they're two incredibly good bench bats. Uh, I, I'm going to play in Jake's fantasy land, which you guys know I love to do all the time. Uh, let's say that Liberty Media decides to spend a little money this offseason. I think Carlos Rodon is a free agent, which he'll probably want to go back to the White Sox, considering they're contending pretty highly at this point, and they're probably they're a better team than the Braves. But, you know, he's a lefty. You talk about a Drew Smiley replacement, but that's a guy you can lock up for a couple years, and, you know, he was an all-star this year. He's incredibly talented. Uh, I think they could go get a starter. It, we'll have to see how Mike Soroka, you know, his injury progresses. Obviously, okay, we said don't rush him last time, and I guess the guy just has the freak injury to end all freak injuries. Now you really can't rush him. So you're going to have to go into next year. Are you comfortable with Tukey Tig? A lot of it depends on how the rest of this plays out. Well, I mean, you got Kyle yeah. Moore, yeah, you Tucker Davidson. Yeah, Tucker's you got to think about Davidson, you know, another OG podcast, guest. Anderson Freed. I mean, those like you have to think at least three are those guys: Anderson Freed, Soroka, Davidson, Mueller, Toussaint. At least three or four of those guys is going to be in your rotation. I mean, you ha- you have to think that. I mean, that you would you would think, um, but I do think you know adding one big star name to really solidify that group, kind of like Morton's been able to do. But I think Morton might retire. If he doesn't, I'd love to have him back. Yeah. Uh, but if not someone of that caliber, I think that's some something they'll target. And then outfield, I think the outfield, if they'll probably bring back one of Duvall or Jock Peterson and make an outfield move, depending on you know what happens with Marcelo Zuna, which we don't know. Yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully Ronald's better to start the year. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor; I don't have any insight into that. Um, I think it, he'll be okay. I, I those things are big, but I, just for those as young as Ronald is, as athletic as he is, I think he's going to be one of those guys who who comes back pretty quickly. Dob, who, which by the way, credit to Dob, he's been much better uh, on social media lately. I think he's figured out how to not get himself made fun of. <laughs> but, I but, mean, he's like 60 on Twitter. You can't really. What do you he, expect? He, he actually made a pretty good point. When you talk about Ronald, Ronald plays so hard, and that's, a, you know, Bryce Harper used to play the same way, and Bryce Harper kind of had to reel it in a little bit, but he's still a really good player. And, and you know, he, he just doesn't really, you know, he's not a bull in a china shop anymore. And he says Ronald could kind of take that step back and, you know, kind of be a little more, you know, guarded, especially when out in the field. And I don't hate that. I don't know if Ronald's going to do that. I don't know if that's, you know, in his personality type. Um, but I could definitely see that same type of trajectory. Yeah, it would suck. I mean, I, I get it. Like for the well-being of him, I absolutely agree with you, and I, that's probably what we're going to see happening. Um, but I do kind of always think, like, man, I want that forty-forty season or he that fifty-fifty. Yeah, I, I mean, I want that fifty-fifty season. I, I just think he's one of the few players that could ever pull something off like that, like a forty-five, forty-five, or fifty-fifty, something truly incredible, because um, he's that talented. And I think it's only a matter of time before he has fifty bombs in a season, and. And if he slows it down, which I expect him to do, uh, the steals probably go down with that. But uh, it would have been really cool to see up. him. He's probably going to be yeah. fun. Oh, I mean, I think his, I mean, his power is just unbelievable. The guy, as his plate discipline just keeps getting better, 
and that power. I mean, that he's going to start hitting 50, 55 he bombs. Was, and I, there's no was, doubt about it. Four home runs when he got he he got hurt. I mean, he was hot there for a little bit. But I mean, he was, was pretty. He was on pace for like forty six or forty eight or something. Yeah. Like he was very close to getting fifty. So it just and you know how he goes. Like if he's on pace for he could be on pace for forty eight, but he could hit ten home runs in fifteen days. He's just yeah. he, when he gets exactly. hot, it's it's over. Um, so it's it sucks. But we have a. I mean, I guess kind of wrapping up. You know talking about injuries. We have some injury updates to, you and Anderson, uh, they are stretching, you know, back out to become a, a starter. We kind of, we, we mentioned him possibly going into relief. I think they're just doing their due diligence, like leaving that option open. Maybe he makes a start. I still think when Anderson comes back, if he comes back healthy, uh, there's, you know, is going to the bullpen. I, I don't, cause I just think, you know, it fits so perfectly in the bullpen. He's a big arm. He throws, he touches triple digits and he's a wipeout slider. He's really a two pitch pitcher for the most part. So I've always thought, you know, if guys like Davidson and Mueller pan out to Kiki Toussaint pan out and you get enough guys in the rotation that, you know, it could be a closer of the future. I mean, he has that kind of stuff with that slider fastball combination, which is all you really need for one inning of work. And, I think I think I did an article on him like his first time through the order. He's pretty much like dominates. So uh, I, I, uh, I I'm interested to see. I think that's where he ends up. Travis Darnode, by the time we release this podcast, he should be um, back. And Anderson, I would say he's probably like two weeks away. He's only had one rehab start through like 50 pitches. He's probably go up to like 70, 80. Yeah, and I wouldn't then, rush him. I don't really see the re- the reason to rush him. Especially yeah, yeah. Him. I mean, get him back for September and just uh, solidify that bullpen. Um, I, the last thing I really wanted to say, and we can chat about this for a few minutes, crack any jokes that we want to, and it's a farewell to Kevon Smith, the Braves legend Kevon Smith, the Kevon Smith who had a 448 OPS for his Braves career, which will qualify as the third worst ever in Braves history. How about that? I don't know. I saw that tweet and I was like, I really should have asked who is first and second, but I think it was like 401st out of 403rd batters that qualify. He will finish with the lowest OPS. And I don't know if that includes pitchers probably does (laughs) because he has been that awful. And I really have no idea why I, I guess people keep saying that phrase like, Ooh, pitchers like to throw to him. Like I, I get it. Like I played baseball and that was, and I pitched a lot. And I will say one thing, having a good catcher does matter. Like that, that is such an underrated aspect. Having a guy who can knows your game, knows how to call a game, knows how to reliable, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, first of all, I never looked at Kevin Smith and was like, wow, he's an elite defensive catcher. I mean, he dropped balls. He let balls pass at inopportune times, but he could not hurt hit worth a crap. I mean, he was a walking double play or strikeout every time he could barely get the ball in the air. I mean, he's one of the worst major league hitters I've ever set, hurt, seen. I feel bad for him that I'm trashing him like this, but it's just the facts. And I don't know how they didn't just call William Contreras or Alex Jackson back up and, and leave him there. But uh, it looks like his time is finally coming to an end, but who knows? They could DFA Steve invoked. I'm not leaving. You never know. They could. I would, I would honestly, you know, obviously I would be a little ticked off, but really, like, can you imagine the content if they DFA Steve? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that would be views galore. I mean, we could probably make a whole other podcast just about that. And as much as I'd be su- really surprised, catcher is such a weird position. And it's not like Steve invoked is like this fantastic offensive superpower. Uh, but if you're not going to go with Voked, don't roll with Smith. Give me William Contreras. The guy's out absolutely mashing in AAA. At least when he's up to the plate, you you think he could hit a bomb. Like he is liable to hit a bomb at any time he steps up to the plate. Kevin Smith can he's liable to get ground out. He he's hit probably ten fly balls. His fly ball rate has to be like five percent. Like I, I it, he just never gets the ball out of the infield. What? I'm gonna pull up his Are you gonna look at his ball savant? Look, like, yeah, look, look his ground ball rate, all the analytics. I look do at his. He never hits the he. If he hits a fly ball, I wish there was a stat for how many fly balls he hit over 300 feet. I, I don't think it's. I don't think he's hit one. Um, I, but I, I guess I'm just soft. I kind of feel bad for the guy just because, like, if somebody posted that screenshot where somebody, like, somebody just DM'd him on, on Instagram and was like, "Dude, you fucking suck. I hope you die." And I'm like, "All right, well, like, some somebody's well, had to take you." You know, we used to have a uh, Harrison Coburn who used to work with us. His little brother one time like DM'd Kent Bazemore 
like after Kent, we signed Kent Bazemore to that all the Hawks signed Kent Bazemore to that seventy million dollar contract, and he was just awful, and it was obvious that that was just going to hamper the Hawks, you know, hamstring them for years. And he tweeted, out, and Carson was like fourteen at the time, and just started like was like you suck, like blah blah blah, and then Kent Bazemore responded and was like, hey little kid. Uh, see if you'll say that to me after this season. And it was like a really like quirky, but kind of like nice. And like, I'm going to prove you wrong response. And I was like, damn, I can't believe people actually do that to these guys. See, the difference is the guy that did it to Kevin Smith was probably like 37. Yeah. I, it's I, probably I, like I have, some 60 year old mom, like grandpa on Braves Facebook. I have, like friend I, requested him. I have some Kevin Smith stats for you. If you're interested. I am very interested. He's striking out at a 29.2% rate, uh, which is pretty high. Uh, That's very high. Not as high as DMV Swanson, I don't think, but very no, high. Probably not. His, uh, his his isolated power is 0. .032. That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, uh, that I, is that is the stat that I needed. Yeah, that is uh, that's a little incredible. Is, that's got to um, be what that's got to be what we, me and you would hit up there. <laughs> his, his weighted runs above average. Uh, which is something just fan graphs has worked up, but I see the number is negative 10.2 and I've never seen one that low. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's pretty low. Uh, his mat, uh, his average exit velocity is 87.5. His barrel percentage is 1.5%. That is one of the worst. He had, that means he has what one barrel. He probably has one barrel. He has 22 hard hit balls in 106 plate appearances. <laughs> so he his barrel percentage is legit one. I'm pretty sure he has one, one or two. Yeah, I, I, seriously. I mean, it depends on how many walks he's drawn, which is not many because his strike to walk out ratio is like uh, 0.32. So. <laughs> so he's probably, yeah, he probably legit has one barreled ball. Also, he has a 56% ground ball percentage, which he actually had a 63% in 2018. So apparently, this isn't a new thing. Uh, Oh, okay, here you go. Hard hit contact. Uh, percentage of balls in play that were classified as hard hit, 31%. Uh, soft contact is 14%, and medium is 54%. I feel like that's better than usual, but I don't look at that stat very often, so I don't know what other people look like. So there's no way that can be good. No. It sounds not. better than it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would think soft I think I would think soft Medium contact, contact is probably it. like a routine ground ball and soft contact is probably like a dribbler in front of the plate or like a pop up to the pitcher like yeah. some like yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing dude and the the scary part is like I feel like there's a I, I would say there's a 15% chance like they somehow keep him overvoked. I just think there's for some reason maybe they're just like uh but I but votes a lefty so no way. There's no way, right? There's no way. Look, you there's, say no there's, no they, there's no way. There's no I, way. If, if I was in Alex Anthopoulos, I would do it just to make everybody on Twitter mad. Just just to see. Yeah. Just to we'll see, see, that, see, that's a moment where Alex Anthopoulos needs his own Twitter right there. Like, he's imagine like, doing that. Mad about. Like, Kevin's a good like, guy. What, what if he just tweeted out something like, who should I uh, designate for assignment? He Kevin Smith or Steven Vogt? <laughs> put a poll. Oh, man. Um, no, yeah, dude, like, and what if, if he turned like, off the responses to it? So, oh, like, it's just the poll. Oh, yeah. If I was, like, a Mets fan or a Phillies fan, I'd be like, everybody go vote Stephen Vogt. <laughs> and he just trolls you and, and designates vote. He just I says, mean, no, we're, keep, we're keeping Kevin Smith. <laughs> uh, I, you know, stranger things have happened. Look, if they if they do DFA vote, I'm going to – I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, it's, I think everybody on Twitter will have – I mean, I'm just going to laugh. Like, at that point, I'm, like, there's nothing else I could do but laugh. Like, I'm not going to get mad. Like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to be like, are you kidding me? Like, this has to be a troll job. Like, he's he's messing with us. Like, Alex Anthopoulos is laughing his ass off. Like, it's almost like when we're, we've had a few too many drinks on Twitter and we just start trolling random people. <laughs> it's like, that's what Anthopoulos is probably doing. Like, he probably had six whiskey Cokes and now he's like, oh, I'm going to DFA Voked and piss everybody off. And this, go is look way at more, this is way more power than we do. <laughs> he's like, I am literally going to piss off. 10 million people. Hey, like I said, if, if Ender Enciarte hits a home run against us this week, I don't know. I don't know if he'll get called up. He probably won't. Uh, oh, that, if, another talk about another more great content, though. If we could oh, just God. get an Ender, an Ender Enciarte walk off bomb, we might, I'll, have, I'll we might get the profile. I'll we might get 100,000 views. <laughs> Look, and, and you know what? I, I said it from the beginning. I'm not even going to be mad. I can't be mad. We, we begged for him to go away for months. And if he hits a home run, like, no, see, that's the thing about when we were talking about like the Bryce Balls and the Bryce Wilsons and even like Ender and Ciarte and Alex Jackson. 
I know like trades are kind of determined three years down the line when you see what these prospects are made of, but uh, these are guys that we, the Braves didn't really need. So I kind of wish them all the best. Like there's no yeah. way that I'm like, I'm cheering for Bryce ball to go out there and ball out. Uh, same with Bryce Wilson and same with Alex Jackson and everyone they traded. So I really have, I felt like when we traded for Melanson, like with Colby Allard and stuff, like I kind of was like, Oh, I don't want him to do good. Like I don't want Wentz to come a, become a stud. But with these guys, I feel like, uh, especially Bryce Ball, who came on the podcast, like his first year as a prospect, like I hope he goes out there and balls out. There's no way he was going to play for the Braves. So uh, it makes sense to, you know, deal him now and, um, and keep things going. But if he didn't uh, play for the Braves, we would have bigger problems because that means we didn't resign. Lost Freddie, which that will be a probably something we can talk about next episode. But uh, unless you got anything else, that pretty much wraps up our first episode of Bloopers Brigade. Yes, we're going to keep that. No, we don't care if you think the name sucks. <laughs> and uh you know appreciate you listening we're gonna have a weekly episodes probably have some bi-weekly episodes as we get into the playoffs and stuff like that but um until then we'll talk to you guys next week yeah um make sure you like i said go check us both out sportstalkatl.com if you're not coming over from the site which i would be surprised if you weren't but uh we put out a lot of content and um we have some uh spicy opinions and we crack a lot of jokes so you know yeah, and you can look at you can check out our Twitter handles below at Earl Chase. Yeah, you don't have to tell me we spell Earl weird in my family. Uh, can't guard Jake as Jake's. Um, but yeah, please go check us out. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, yeah. They can't guard you, but we everyone can guard Michael Thomas. Even the same. I have both my ankles. So. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs>